Sauce Podcast. You like the sauce? The sauce is good, eh? This is start off its finances dry. Train them, trust them, and let them lead. With your host, Marcus Aurelius. Welcome to the Special Sauce Podcast with your host, Marcus Aurelius. Today, I have the uh, extreme pleasure to uh, introduce a guest, uh, which is a uh, master pizzaiola, which is a very high title to pizza makers. There's very few around that understand pizza at this level. Billy Manzo from Federal Hill Pizza. Welcome, Billy, to our show. How you doing, pal? Good How to see you, by the way. You too, uh, my I'm friend. I'm glad to you have too. you here. It's overdue, you know? Yeah, it's way over. It's you really know, when funny. We, when we, were, we were just laughing about this. Uh, when we started talking about a podcast, I, I kind of... I turned to only a couple of people that I really could trust their opinion, and you were like one of the yeah, first ones. And you were coming up with brainstorming names, right? I was names, coming up right? with names for the podcast. And, yeah, I think uh, I was driving, and you were home, and I yeah. told you to get a pen, and we were like chicken scratching all over the it's place, right? It's like the right? story of our lives. I know, Because we know. were in busy schedules. Like Otherwise that. known as I call people like us degenerate business gamblers. <laughs> so when people <laughs> say to you, oh, it. do you go to a casino? I go, I don't no. gamble. That way, I gamble with my life. I so. get very few people that understand that. It's, I know. It's, it's, and that's what I'm trying to impart on my audience here. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but... No, uh, it is good. It is good because here's what it is. When you're in school, you do a lot with the schools with your charity. Yeah. Right? So I, I think about this all the time because we both have kids around the same sure. age, right? Yeah, yeah. Around the and same so, age. you know, when we were educated, you know, it, it was it was you're learning to go work for somebody. You're being taught to go work in the factory, to go find a trade, to go find a job, Right. You go to college. Our, our generation was like the second or third generation that maybe had that push of go to college, go to college, right? So really, what it is is we were taught to kind of just you know take low risk, you know work, keep your head down, and keep everything rolling for someone else's dream, fill in someone else's dream. You know what I mean? And like I never prescribed to that. I came from a, an entrepreneur family. Like we had a business in the family. Did you your have a family man, your business own, in your family? Your old man's a peach, by the way. Thank you. Um, hey, he's still hustling, by the way. I know he is. He's I'm going to take him off book. the roof once in a while. I know. He's no, awesome. 60, um, still climbs the roof. I, I got to tell you, um, I think a lot of what we've talked about, had a conversation about in the past, is, is based on the economic condition in the uh, area of the country we come from. And in the Northeast Corridor, we're, we're basically rookies here. We're second generation Americans. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're only second... Hello, we've only amazing, been here nothing. We're nothing. <laughs> so, like my dad's firstborn, yeah. you know, firstborn with mine. So yeah, that's right. And you know, when my dad came here, he was born in '39. He was in school, you know, fifty through, you know, what forties through the early fifties. And that school system, that educational foundation, didn't in Rhode Island. It's it's just a simple fact now that the education system was pathetically from '39 to '40 just a sham up until recently. So your point is well taken, but you also have to take it from the other side and say they would lack of education will make you a controllable individual because then you become limited. Exactly. You can't expand your horizon economically, socially. So for example, where did you go to school? You went to school. Went to classical for two years. Right. I went and, to Our Lady of Providence. Uh, they bounced me out of classical. I went to LaSalle because I had good grades, but I caused problems. But so. <laughs> but you traveled. You met other people around the world. I you did. were lucky enough, blessed. Yeah, I had family in Italy. That's We'd right. Visit and, uh, and that opened up your horizon. Family in Belgium. I traveled That's Europe right. a bit. So yeah, once so, you see. Yes, and, and that gives you the opportunity to not have the, the thing in your head called a limit. Exactly. The, there's no such thing as no or you can't. That word can't <laughs> is right. the worst word 
that ever was fucking invented. No, can't. it is it's true. Can't. What is can't? And this is a podcast. You can say that. All I. Long. This is me. You know me. You know me. <laughs> right. But now the, the word, the word can't, so has to be the worst word ever created, because it tells somebody young. The word is you can't. You, you, you're limited. You're. You stop. Stop. It means stop. You can't do that. You can't be what you want to be. And as we've spoken about in the past, I, I will, like you with your kids, I know I've heard you've talked to your daughter. My daughter will say something to me. I'm like, yes, daddy, what do you, yes, do it, try it, fall, skin your knee, yep. cut your hand, bang your head. Yes, try. Okay. Are you going to try it the same way the second time? No. And it's the same thing in business. It is. Same thing in business. But as you know, in business, you have to make educated decisions. And that's where I come in and I think that's, you know, why I've been lucky enough to be so successful on, you know, basically everything I've done in many different facets of business, which I guess I, that's why People I'm here. have a perception like you're just a risk taker uh, in general. No, 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 no. I think, Once you're in business, it's measured. No, it's not that. It? In, in Rhode Island, because this is where I do business, <laughs> they interpret somebody like you or me as being, oh, they're crazy. No, no. What you're doing is when you say that and you put somebody in that category of saying, oh, you're crazy. Well, that means that I didn't want to have a state job. I didn't want to have a city job. I didn't I didn't want to go in. I didn't I think I was better in my head of not working, working for somebody. I had a I I never had a problem working with people. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I love working with people in my goal. But I never wanted to back then when we were younger, you were working for somebody. Exactly. Different mentality, different ownership. It's different today. You need the team to accomplish yeah. what you want to accomplish. And I think that's, you know, crazy. I'm, not, I'm actually, like you, ultra conservative. We're not crazy. No. We're totally the but, opposite. And that's the thing is that in order to, to measure the risk, you have to really, when you first start up, this yeah. is what I try to tell people. So that, you know, our, our show is about startup finance and drive. Right? Yeah. The startup part's the hardest part, right? So... You really have to be a good saver. Part of part of what we do in our training, and, and we do a little bit of uh, we we do a little bit of coaching. Yeah. And what we try to impart on people is, if you can't save, you can't be a business owner. No. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You it's you have completely. to watch. Listen, you have to watch your pennies before your dollars. Absolutely. Your pennies will put you out of business. And if you want me to bring up an example, a perfect example is napkins in a restaurant. I always make this as an example. Somebody will come in and go, can I have some napkins? And they'll put their fingers up and they put them up and they go, can I have some napkins? And they, they normally bring their fingers up just genetically like three inches. And I'm like, yeah, you can have some napkins. And I go like that and I grab a few because how, how bad is your mouth going to be? And I'll go through <laughs> cases upon cases of napkins That's it. because that will put you out of business. Absolutely. And instead of you counting your paper plates for takeout, the job, if there's 12 people for a catering job, you don't go, oh, okay, I'm going to give 20 plates. You give one extra based on the consumer base basis that you're looking to feed. And those are the things, pennies, 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 pennies. And in the restaurant business, the margins, I mean, traditionally, oh, forget about it. your restaurant margins are not very high. No, so days are over. Paying attention. I get a lot of people that say, hey, I want to go with an all organic menu. Yeah, well, you hear I that. Mean, you, you say like, God bless. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, uh, well, again, again, if you say that, and I, I'll make you laugh. If you say, I want to do a restaurant, I go, okay. And you know, I do consulting. Yeah. I go, great. Okay. Where do you want to put it? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if you're going to put 
hypothetically speaking, an all-organic restaurant in the middle of the desert, you're not going to make any money. No, yeah. So let's say you're going to put an all-organic restaurant based on the analytics because there's thing there's a thing called a sure. computer. Yep. So this is a computer that you talk talk on. Mm-hmm. It's not a phone. It's a computer, and yeah. it's the world. The entire world is right here. Right there. So if you do your analytics, which means yeah, you do true. your homework, and you want to do an all-organic restaurant, pick the perfect location. Now, if somebody listening to you or watching your podcast, they'll say, oh, well, well, I know the best location to put it is at that corner and the rent is going to be, you know, the rent's going to be 9,000 a month. Hey, listen, do you know the difference between paying 9,000 there and 2,500 down the street? The 9,000 is worth it. It is. This <laughs> it's is worth what people it. don't realize. It's, it's worth uh, it. You know, that, that's what people are trying to pigeonhole like something, like the people will buy a business, like yeah. a broken business. I always say, why buy somebody else's broken business when you have plenty of time to break your own? And oh, people look at me, they look at me cross-eyed and say, what are you talking about? You, you, listen, there's a lot to be said with that. And I, when I <laughs> tell people, I say to people, can I ask you a question? You're ready to invest 150 of your 401, right? Yeah. Okay. Where do you want? I want to go over there because the rent is so cheap. There's a reason. I'm like, there's a reason. And guess what? When Walgreens, CVS, Burger King, Dunkin' Donuts, when they open up a location, do you think no. they pick a parcel of land because it's it's cheap? They need to put that parcel of that business exactly where they want it to be because they know the numbers are going to work. So you you started out, you had a cigar lounge in the hill. You were one of the first to have a cigar lounge. Then you went to Warren, Rhode Island, which, you know, Warren at the time... There wasn't any good pizza places around there. I, I lived very close and I'm like, yeah. you know, when I found your place, it was like I, I struck gold. Honestly, yeah, I thank at you. It, like, thank you. And, and let me tell you, that decision for me uh, to go to Warren and open up uh, the really, I w- and you can vouch for this. I was like the first outsider to come and open up a restaurant in Warren on the East Bay. It's a very incestuous. That's right. So (laughs) when I decided to give you, if you want, I can tell you uh, and your listener how I decided to go to the smallest town in the smallest state in in the country to Warren. And how many years I've been there? 10 years. 10 years. And I've been busting out at the seam with that location. And the reason why, not to be too, too long winded on your show, but I basically was selling, as you remember, pizza dough and pizza shells and my entire pizza program in supermarkets. So instead of me saying, I want to open up a federal pizza here because this is what I want. It's not about Billy Manzo. No. It's about federal pizza. So I said, okay, where am I going to put a federal pizza so that brand, where am I going to go with that successful? And I just said, okay, I opened up the computer. I looked at the analytics and I said, okay, where am I selling the most pizza dough in all the supermarkets? And it was literally like a fucking razor blade. I went bam and bam. The three most, and I remember this because that's my job. Route two, Warwick, Rhode Island, yep. Stop and Shop, yep. where my friend runs it now. The mo- That was my number one in Stop and Shops. Uh, stop, uh, stop and Shop in Barrington and Stop and Shop in Bristol. Uh, duh, duh, who am I to tell my analytics they're wrong? So what I did was I said, okay, we're going to go here. Rent's controllable. Nobody's there. On Mondays and Fridays, I see a spike, which means people are making pizza on Mondays Mm -hmm. and Fridays, probably for their kids. 
Wink, wink, nod, nod. That means there's a lot of young people there. There's a big family presence. That's right. So then there's a pizza place on Wood Street. I'm not going to name them. Yeah. But, you know, you could buy dough there, but it's not like your pizza. Yeah, thank you. It's a different, totally different thing. I looked at the school systems. I looked at the retirees. I looked at property value. I looked at the political scene and I built a picture and I was happy with what I saw. Then I looked at Christine, looked at my wife. I said, we need to take a, uh, we need to take a ride down and see what the hell's going on in the East Bay. And this is a true story. I, drew, I drove, a friend of mine called me and said, there's a space on Main Street. I said, okay, this is no joke. I got out of the car, I had my federal pizza hat on. I pulled up next to the coffee shop and it said for rent, space was empty. And I got out of the car, I took two steps out of the car and a woman was walking her dog, who she's still a customer, and she goes, oh, excuse me. She goes, where'd you get that hat? I said, I'm so, what, what are you talking about? She goes, the hat, where'd you get the hat? I go, oh, it's my company, Federal Pizza. She goes, are you coming here? We need pizza so bad. <laughs> and I went, That's funny. I go, you gotta be fucking kidding me. At the door, I didn't even shut the door of the car. I looked in the car, I leaned at Christine, I go, I think we're coming it's here. It's a sign. And she goes, she's looking at me, the husband's behind her, and he goes, Oh my God, I've seen you do a cooking demo at a stop and shop. Are you coming here? See that. I go, I, I guess I am. <laughs> and it took me about five months to put the lease agreement together that I was happy with based on the averages in which a full service restaurant could work, yep. which is now it's probably a tad higher, or I would suggest a tad lower, but it should be five to 6% full service, fast casual, seven and a half to eight. I don't like to go above nine. Forget some of the big boys go to 10 because their buying power is more powerful than mine. Uh, because as you know, you make your money on the buy and not the yeah, sell. Absolutely. Always. That's how you make your money. You do. And it's, it's you make so your funny. money on the buy. We have the same business school because yeah, I tell course. people that all the time. That's that's what I teach. Yeah, you make your, you yeah, make your like money on the buy. Saying, you don't make money when you sell. You make money when you buy. Yeah, you buy make your money right. on the buy. Same thing. If so I buy chicken wings. You were early on trends too. You even did like the, uh, the craft brews. You limited the menu of craft yeah. brews and you rotated what was in there. Yeah. So now I have actually coached and mentored some veteran uh, brewers that are on the top 100. I have one that's on top 100 list. Do they have breweries one. now? Or so little, yes, they're uh, doing stuff at home? Or? No, no. They have locations and, and they're actually, they've got uh, places open. So you might not be aware that they're veteran owned breweries. So there's 14 Stars, which is in Vermont. That's yeah. a top 100 brewery. They've got three beers on the top 100. Cool. Uh, then I've got uh, Stars and Stripes in Freeport, Maine. Yeah. Which they've got incredible beer. Okay. Uh, the owner's a veteran. It's an incredible spot. If you wanted to go do an on-the-road show, you want to meet yeah. them. You mean take my local eats, yep. my show. Yeah. Local eats. Uh, Why not? Then, then I've got uh, one that just, just opened up that can use the publicity because the guy is a master brewer. Cool. So a master pizza oil. So there's a, a guy named Olivier... Uh, Olivier uh, is is a first generation like us. Okay, cool. Uh, he started up a brewery. He's always been a hobbyist enthusiast. No, that's how it He's starts. had recipes that actually have won awards. Sure. So he uh, built an actual beautiful brewing company. It's in Franklin, Mass. It's oh, it's Franklin, in Franklin. Franklin Brewing Company. They, they picked I, a good town. The average income is even, through the roof. Exactly. There's nothing there. So he did like you. He did the uh, put the finger in the air. That's it. And look at where the demographics are. Oh, and, he went to uh, Franklin. Just started How big is his place? Less than a month. Uh, it's about a twenty-six hundred square foot facility. Controllable Steel barrel. Controllable. He's doing a three or four barrel system, probably. Exactly. Controllable. Yep. Smart. He's got a nice floor plan. He's yeah. got wonderful staff. Friendly, family friendly, easy going. 
you know, on a soft start, this is how I know a success is, is about to happen. He just got his his license from the town and he did like a soft opening. Yep. There was more than a thousand people that showed up. They were parking everywhere. So really? he, the town went into a tizzy and said, Oh my God, what is what's going they on? They thought here? he was selling weed. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. selling beer. So but I mean that that's a sign that you've got yeah. kind of a following. That's good. Show. And I'm sure you were that way, because you, you were a known commodity when it Yeah, when um yeah, I was I was lucky. I did, I had put my situation was kind of odd because I started my business in the back of the cigar lounge, Sakar up on the hill. So I had that for 16 years. And then the state really came after me and said, you got to do food. So I did all different crazy shit. And then I decided to do pizza because of my background when I was working for Paramount Pitches in the West Coast. And that's when I, I started fooling around with food because I cooked my way mm -hmm. to college anyway. And when I started doing pizza up on the hill, the first, the first night I did uh, a pizza in the cigar lounge... I did 40 pizzas. First night I ever did pizza in the cigar lounge. They were like people flipping out. And that's from there I got into wholesale, as you know, and yep. got into about 200 supermarkets. The food thing is very difficult. It's challenging, an immense amount of different personalities you're dealing with. It's just a real challenging industry. I'm very blessed. I This would be as of April coming up, I'm 55. This is going to be my third um, that, uh, at Legacy. Legacy, there yeah. you go. Thank you, my right-hand, left-hand guy. In the restaurant business, that's rare. It's, you know, well, I've, of, I've had- people who are consultants tell so you I've had, the concept. I've had, which is not mine anymore, but I started Providence Magazine when I was 24. Yep. Wow. That's been around forever. Uh, Sakar, Sakar Cafe and Lounge up on, the, up on the hill 16 years. Wow. And then this. So my goodness, I mean, I know, you, most people been, don't have any. I've <laughs> had three legacies. But you started out, uh, you know, I guess, as a banker was your uh, start, huh? Yeah, it was a fucking horrible, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the you worst. couldn't wait to get out, dude. Were, no, actually, were you, you know a what? Vice president, were you passed over? No, dude. No, no. Listen, listen. I graduated college, and I graduated with a double major in mind, and I was going to go to law school, and. Um, a family friend, very very nice people. He was a heavy hitter with Fleet Bank at the time. And he said, you'd be, you'd be an unbelievable, you know, unbelievable banker. You can handle yourself verbally. Yeah. We, we will, you know, whatever. So they dive bombed me into a situation when the banking crisis happened. So Fleet hired like over a hundred commercial lenders in training, which actually uh, turned out to be you. You were just like, I called it after like years later. It was like the Japanese uh, uh, Harry Carey crowd. Listen, line them up, <laughs> throw them in a plane. <laughs> Dive bomb into That's a it. boat because yeah. after the whole banking crisis yeah. got settled, yeah. everybody got laid off. You know, so I was up at Indian Head, but that experience. What up in New Hampshire, Indian Head? Na Resort? Nashua. I, I lived in Nashua, New Hampshire, oh, you lived and worked in on the. I worked on the workout. You lived everywhere. Yeah, Vegas. I have. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I lived in Nashua, New Hampshire, and everywhere did the workout now. program for Fleet Bank. As, but not as in uh, Planet Fitness workouts. No, 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 no. Like, like people who are in serious financial trouble. You're oh, working dude, through please, please. You have no idea. It was the biggest. They're trying to hold on to the Rolex. The same two or three signatures. The first two or three signatures for the lending offices were all over everything. Yeah. It was forgettable. I'm sure because it was crisis, like Fleet Bank America. Like there yeah. wasn't any. And they didn't get burned as much as some of the other savings and loans. Yeah. But, but, but Fleet wasn't, a, it was an actual bank. 
but they are liquidated and that story. When I write the book, I'll, I'll right. have to put a couple of so stories So I'm a member of the Turnaround Management Association and there's a lot of attorneys and, and uh, Lucky CPAs you. Lucky that you. do that. They do that. So I, I'm learning that craft. Oh, yeah. Piece of, oh, yeah. Congratulations. Uh, consulting. I haven't done a ton of it, but uh, it's interesting to know. You bet it is. The strategies. You got your golf clubs? You. What's that? You got your golf clubs? No, no, no. I know people. You better like get that. your golf clubs. I, I got guys with no necks that I know. Yeah. <laughs> you better so, have it. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, but anyways, uh, when, when we think about like food and everything, so yeah. you, you, uh, you've done uh, quite a few things. You actually bought a place uh, in Providence that was a movie theater at one point. It was a, it was a burlesque. When I was a kid, it was it was like a burlesque. Uh, yeah. It was a place I, I kind of looked around. My mom would take me to the library around the corner. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd want to peek in the windows, yeah. you know. It, it went through that. That, <laughs> That building that me and my wife bought, the Castle Cinema on Chalkstone Avenue, uh, was a property that um, I, I really didn't want to buy. I mean, that property was empty for almost 15 years. It was empty. It, nobody beat the crap out of it inside, punching holes through the walls, because the whole place is concrete. Yeah. But in the big scheme of things, um, it didn't, the neighborhood wasn't right. No. Um, it, it's still challenging, the neighborhood. Um, and I made it a... You know, we walked through the building. We, For me, that building, uh, and again, uh, your podcast is awesome because, again, I really took a third eye approach on that property. And I said, okay, I have Federal Pizza Company. Let's think about this more of, as a real estate deal. And I looked at the property and I, I told my wife and she was all over it. Let's buy it. Let's buy it. The price is right. And the price was, it was good. And I said, no, this is the price we have to get the property for because the odds are A, B, C, D, E, this may happen in the, in the, in the neighborhood and it's a real estate deal. I mean, this is a real estate Pretty deal. Pretty much. Yeah. On a price per square foot, it makes you, sense. Yeah. So you scooped it up. To, we, in the long run, uh, we bought the property for um, uh, a very good price. Um, we then put, I put a budget on it uh, for what I wanted to put into the property, no matter what. I didn't give a shit. This is it. This is the fucking number. And I'm not going to go a penny this more. This is my legacy. This deal. is it. So I did what I had to do. And as you know, which because you've laughed your ass off, I raped and pillaged every pallet in the neighborhood. <laughs> and I made it a pallet <laughs> restaurant because I was getting all my pallets for it, free from the supermarket. It has a Brooklyn feel. It does. It has well, I, kind of a... You know, the really timing... <laughs> the timing was... Listen, timing is is everything with every different situation. So... I took a couple of steps back and I said, okay, where are the bargains right now? I said, okay, the steel market back then was in the toilet. They couldn't give away steel. So I said, okay, I'm going to do my bar in blue steel. So I did my entire bar for 800 bucks. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Then I did the, as you saw, all the benches and the tables. Uh, It was um, me and labor and nails. See that? Me, another guy, labor and nails, all pallets. The, all the chairs, um, and they're beautiful, heavy duty. Uh, again, timing. They were going through a revamp of Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, wow. When, so they didn't know what to do with the chairs. So I bumped through Craigslist, one of the owners, two owners, they own like almost all the Dunkin' Donuts in Rhode mm-hmm. Island. And I said, I got a pizzeria, I need, I need chairs. They said, well, we're doing nine of them, so we're going to have over 500 chairs or whatever the frig the number was. I said, you call, I'll come and get them. What your number? What's your number? Because for them, it's all just, it's oh, a cash thing. thing. They, what thing. are they going to do for it? They're multi Corporate says, get rid of the chairs. We're bringing a new chair. Done. 
They own half an island in the Atlantic. They're not worried. That's right. Is. So every <laughs> time they'd call, they'd say, you're either going to take them all or you don't take none. I said, no problem. So I'd take them all. And then if I had 10 or 15 that I didn't like, I'd put them on Craigslist and I'd get rid of them for five bucks. So I was buying chairs for 10 used that were like brand new and flipping the ones I didn't like for five. You always get your shit caught. Where are you going to get chairs for? You can't. You can't. So... So you waited. That's the beauty of, 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 and this is part of the startup, right? So start, in startup and, and in finance, you know, people who leverage up, they want to buy all this stuff. Like restaurant equipment's a perfect example. If you go on Craigslist, how much restaurant equipment could you find right now all around New England that you could use? Well, that's usable it, it, stuff. Well, it, it, that's a very good question. I have learned uh, that refrigeration, you only buy brand new because you want the warranty. Yeah. Gas equipment, or gas, whatever, yep. you can always buy used because always used. that's a joke. That's easy. Yep. To fix gas shit's nothing. Yep. But refrigeration, I stay away from anything, anything used refrigeration because it'll look pretty. But what happens if it was in a restaurant and they didn't run the air condition in the kitchen, which nobody does, and the compressors, uh, you know, cranking, the kitchen's 120, 130 in Cape Cod, uh, you look at it a beaut- and it just blows, the condenser blows. Now you, now you went for the used piece of equipment and an extra grand uh, for the condenser and labor. So you're back up to brand new. So, so get you save money in, in staging the place. And then what do you do with the stage? I mean, you got a theater in there, for Christ's sake. You, what are you, dancing around well, flipping pizzas? He, what, he, what are you uh, doing Listen, I don't give a shit what I got to do. <laughs> I got to pay the nut. You got the burlesque going? I don't give a shit. I, all I'm getting is pizza. Well, here. let me tell you. Again, when we, bought the, when we bought the property, I did my, my kill list. And what I mean by that is I said, okay... What do you need to do to make the property go? And what can you get away with? So yeah. Warren, as you know, is completely different. 800 square feet, 1,000 oh, yeah. square feet. It doesn't really even have a bar. You started a little revolution on that Main Street. I think, yeah, thank I think you. a few places followed in after. Yeah. There's kind of a food it's scene there now. Huge. Thank you, you got Eli from Eli's Kitchen. Yeah, there's a lot of pretty good now. players there. You get my buddy Podsnap over there. He's an interesting dude. Very, very. Yep, show. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of a nice and little listen, ecosystem. I am very... Very humbled uh, when people say you you brought an energy to Warren. I mean, come on, man. That's pretty fucking cool. That is cool. I mean, that's cool. That's a legacy right there. That's cool. That's good. So you hooked up with, this is the typical Rhode Island story. You hooked up with a dude I went to grammar school with, uh, Nick Ooh. Albanese. Oh, Nicky Al. So you, you got a, a, you got a very talented dude. He's a talented and, guy, uh, man. You we just, did, we just did a read last night. So, so he, he Nick wrote, runs a little one-man show kind of. He's got the uh, Last Sicilian. It's a phenomenal one-man play. He actually brought it to New York off-Broadway. Wow. He now brought that show to the castle. Um, he, we just had a couple of... We had a guy on uh, from The Sopranos, Frank. What was Frank's last name? Uh, Bada Bing. The, guy, the character Bada Bing. I had to look at his picture. He's the it's guy Bada that, Bing. He's the guy that when Tony Soprano comes out of the hospital... He's like, I got to tune up somebody to make everybody else fall. And that was him. He's the guy that caught the beat. Yeah, Bada Bing always got tuned up somehow. (laughs) He got tuned up. Hit with something or whatever. So he came. What a comedian. Whoa, what a talent. Nice. Uh, So he came, but we're drawing some enormous, we're really going after some big time talent. That's good. I'm very friendly with Bobby Kelly. Bobby is a huge. You got Steve Palumbo on there. Yeah, we got Stevie singing on Tuesdays. Another Yeah, neighborhood guys. Providence guy. Absolutely. But we knew when we bought that property, 11,000 square foot pizzeria, that we were going to have to do something very different with the property. 
And, and what's funny is it's called originally the Castle Cinema. Well, what are you what are you gonna do with a fucking old movie theater? <laughs> it was, it was you, Castle you, what Spa. Is it, what is it built for? Entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So everybody that looked at it, they wanted to do everything but what the property was built for. Uh, I, I don't get it. Yeah. It's a it's it's a movie theater yeah. with 19 and a half inch concrete outside walls. You can't hear shit if you're no. cranking anything in there. But let me also say, we've been very successful in building the talent, but I need people to understand this yeah. if they're thinking about business and, and really what I would call popping your cherry and going into business. You have to know your outside, all the outside weather. And what I mean by that is, you have to make sure you're on the same page with the local politician. You have to make sure that if you're gonna deal with the plumber, plumbing inspector, he's on board. Yeah. Electrical, fire, parking, dumpster. No matter what business you're thinking about doing, you have to, you're going to eventually bump into the people within your community, politically, economically. There's always that, you know, you'll always say, oh, that woman, she's been in the town a hundred years. You know, she go, oh, you don't know. Everybody knows Miss Davis. Miss Davis carries a lot of weight if exactly. you give her a free pizza. Yep. Oh, yeah. Because Miss Davis <laughs> fucking goes to stop and shop and tells everybody that's how good it. the pizza was. Yeah, and and you know what that cost me? Nothing. Two bucks. Yeah, two bucks. Eight. Two bucks. Perfect. So those are the things that you really, um, that I really teach people when I do a consulting gig. Um, it's the little things, you know, and it's tricky and it's simple. But it's tricky. It's yeah. It's not for everyone. Restaurant business is not for everyone. You you've done some things in the community. You mentioned community building. Yeah. Uh, you do a thing where you feed kids. Uh, talk yeah. about that. You have a five one c three charity. Yeah. What and, happened? Uh, what happened? Thank you for bringing that up. What happened was um, when, as you know, when I had when I had my daughter, and the doctor grabbed me by the shirt and he said, "Come over here, cut that." And I cut the cord and he goes, "Here," and he put my you know, he gave the, the, the baby, my Ani, to the nurse. The nurse put it in the, in the you know, the control box, the glass box, whatever the hell it is. I named it. We named her. Okay, I picked her up. At that, at that friggin' moment, literally, I felt like the kid was like, like massive electricity. And I was like, oh shit, I gotta do something for fucking kids. This is, this is insane shit. Like, I got married at, what, 45? So, I had done... I, w I had done as much as I was pretty good. You can say anything. I was. On podcast, I was pretty good. Don't get me in I mean, trouble. No, I'm I won't. No, couch. I love your wife. I know your wife. But I mean, I owned a nightclub for sixteen no, years. I mean, come my on. My wife gave you your first loan. Yes, your wife your gave me. That's right, my friend. That's right. To She's, expand my cigar lounge. She was a top banker at Citizens. Yeah, very, oh, no. very skilled yeah. banker. Years ago, I much I'm, more talent than I have. That is, that is true. That is true. And she's better looking <laughs> you than you think. That's why my kids are good. So I. I, I just, um, you kind of threw me off. What the fuck was I, I talking about? You were talking about the charity and getting into oh, the community so and getting what into happened, the graces of your community. What happened was um, I said to myself, uh, I'm a chef, I'm this. And then I went back to my, uh, like an experience that I had in business. And I said, wow, I know PR marketing. I had, you know, I started Providence Magazine. I know what makes people tick. How do I do this? Like, how do I get chefs involved and by then I was, you know, blessed because I'm really good on social media from my understanding. And I do a lot of stuff with film and my background and all these different goddamn experiences. And then I said, 
okay, I'm going to take a little from here. I'm going to take a little from here. What do I do here? And then I said, oh, wait a minute. I said, there are a lot of chefs. And I looked in the American Restaurant Association. Holy shit. It's like, you know, three million fucking members. It's like, wow, if I get a dollar off, just a dollar off everyone, exactly. just a dollar. That's I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me, and I regrouped and I said, chefs, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, chefs, three million. I said, wow, okay. I'm really good then at what I do with social media and getting whatever I do with pizza. How about if I give these guys the opportunity somehow where they go into their community, they videotape, they videotape at their comfort, you know, take a picture, whatever, maybe feeding the Little League baseball team or the church group. I didn't give a shit. Whatever they, whatever their hotspot was, mm -hmm. send that photo or video to me. I then drop it into a community newsletter or a, what's called today is a blog. Yeah. And I will promote them. So basically I'm, I'm using the chef to get content, yeah. to promote them, yes. to support the kids. Which is what they want anyway. What a they lot want. Of people want to be promoted. That's right. That they want to promote. They don't know how to do it. And then so what happens is, I don't mean to interrupt you, right. but you have companies out there like who are amazing to me, like Galbani Cheese uh, and more, um, Melina Piscina Flower and whatnot, and they want to meet the check writer. So I turn around and look at the corporations and I go, listen, I've got all these chefs, they're check writers. They need to buy cheese and flour. You want to meet them? And they're like, yes. And then they get on board. So if you remember the castle, I have all those bulletin boards on yes. the front of my building. Those are sponsors of the building, Chefs Feeding Kids. That's we work in cooperation and it's all good stuff. And it's all good stuff. And I hear, I hear the feedback. And it's such a small community. All the teachers that you run into... I know them from way back when. They're all like, he's a super dude. Yeah, thank you. I've been putting my list together of who I wanted to have in. And you've been kind of on the top of the list. Yeah, thank you. We've just been trying to iron things out. Yeah. So, uh, but I wanted to tell you, on, yep. the, on the walking outside of your, your uh, you know, I always try to think where I'm from. And Providence is just one of the, one piece of the story. You know? Sure. Italy is the other part. Right? Yeah. So I, I was in your pizza place and I saw a sign for Rocomovine. Racomovine. Right? So, yeah. So that's like, the Paese, That's the Paese you're that's from. That's the Paese, baby. So, and uh, there's a famous uh, person that unfortunately is not with us anymore that's from Racomovine. Yeah, Buddy Sancy. Yeah. And I know. You know who else? No. Gandolfini. Oh, yeah. Gandolfini yeah, I heard that. died yeah. in Racomovine. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he was there. And you know how small the world is? My cousin, who's a doctor in Italy, was in that clinic when when he was brought in. Really? Yeah. So it's uh, sad. Way up that, in the mountain. Uh, yep, up in the mountains. That's yeah. Right. I spent my I spent my thirty third birthday completely unbeknownst to me the importance of that as an Italian male in that I had no idea. Yeah, the trip that I went on that year was completely like somebody, some young lady invited me. Uh, so I was like, yeah, what the hell? So I packed literally a backpack, and I said, wow, this is gonna be kind of cool. I'm gonna be in Italy for my birthday, and we just went for thirty days. We had a bomb nice. of a time, as you guys can imagine. Single in Italy, wine. Oh, yeah. Forget a, forget about it. It was it was awesome. <laughs> you made it back. What's wrong with you? I know, no Specs shit, back. right? Yeah, no, no, no shit. But. So we're traveling down and she goes, listen, I made a little side. She lived in Italy for years and years. So she goes, listen, we're going to, I'm going to show you where your grandfather comes from. We got held up in, in uh, we got held up in Annika Prea, some shit with a car problem. I was supposed to be in Ischia the day before my birthday, but we ended up getting there on my birthday. 
So we talked to some people in town and they were like, this is the church where 99% of the, the people got baptized. Mm. And I was like, I never forget that feeling, wow. knowing that there's no question that my grandfather the and the roots probably came and were in this church. When I was a much spelter or much uh, uh, more uh, physically yes, active I understand. Person, yes, as yes. a young man, yes. I ran a race in Italy. Actually. Did you? And the weirdest thing happened. So I ran a race in my family's town. So, yeah. you know, with all of all the folks there. And, you know, for my age category, I came in first. Did you? So I get up there. I, I'm being handed this little medal. And when, yeah. they, when they said my name, Marco Capaldi, six people came to the podium. <laughs> Did they really? Come on. <laughs> every every now, president kind of that was in a running and race? And they all had hands about the size of mine, which is a weird <laughs> thing. But, uh, but I got to tell you, it was uh, it was something. That's, uh, yeah, so we've got a big clan there. There's a lot yeah, of folks. It's that, an awesome place. They say, excellent. Going back there is amazing. Yeah. But, uh, so tell us, you know, part of this show is is figuring out the special sauce. Yeah. You know, and people always ask you, hey, Billy, how did you do it? Right? I get that you constantly. Know? So what's the message for somebody who's starting up? What, what, what was it that made your special sauce? Hmm. Um, my mother and father. So that, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing, my friend. Tell us more about uh, uh, their background and how they, how they did I think I think that, again, going back to the way you talk to your daughter and me talking to my daughter and your parents telling you you can do fucking anything you want. I mean, I remember getting in the car with my dad. My dad was a, constru was a construction guy. Thank God I still got him like you got yours, you know? And he would not hold bar. He'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, dad, now, let me also say my mother's father was the original rag man with horse and buggy wow. next to Russell Boyle Funeral Parlor in Providence, Rhode Island. So I grew up in the flea market business as a baby. So I grew up hustling my entire life, like before the internet. So I would show up with the Ford Granada, back seats pulled out. <laughs> I was going to URI at the time. You, I would, you guys were stepping up. We had the Hornet. Yeah, the, oh, the, the Hornet was Hornet, good. The AMC Hornet. Yeah, yeah, that was with good. The hatchback. No, that was good. I wish I had something like that <laughs> because I had the Granada and it sucked yeah. until I took over my father's black and red Aspen wagon, the Dragon Wagon. Oh, there you go. And then I, that was the best. The Shags. The, the, yeah, yeah. the Shaggy Wagon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would pull up because back then it was the Providence Journal and you would open up the paper and see... House for sale, shit for sale. It wasn't like today. Yeah, no. And I would call. I would show up at the house. In 99.9% .9 of the time, I would show up at the house and I'd knock on the door, ring the doorbell because I made an appointment. The real estate agent would call because God, you know, somebody either passed away and they want to liquidate all the shit in it. And every single fucking time, you know what the person would say? Oh, where's your mother and father? Are you here with your parents? And I'm like, no, it's me. So at a very young age, 16, 17, I had my my own auction number, like I would yep. go in, all the old timers knew me, and I was Rocky Hill Flea Market. I had my own spot for oh, like nice. five years. Like I would I would work, I would work Monday through Friday, part-time just making scores, buying certain things. And then my friends would, as you know, when you're in college, you'd go out and get all fucked up or have a yep. good time on a Friday. I couldn't do that. I never partied in college. So I would go to bed on a Friday at, like five, five, six at night, seven at night, I would get up at three in the morning, get in line at Rocky Hill or Jolly Charlie's or the flea market that I wanted to, empty out my shit at five, sell all my shit by eight or nine, 
And then by then I'd go to Scarborough with about two G's in my pocket. But I never was a Spock own. You know yeah, me. I'm yeah. not like that. But and then I would hang out with all the guys, have more shit and do the same thing on Sunday. And that's what I did. And I put myself through one year of college with a, I don't know if your listeners know this, but in the day it's called the Remington statue. You ever see the copper? Oh yeah, sure. So I made a, I, there was one Remington at Jolly, at, uh, at uh, Brimfield flea market. I was with my mom's two sisters and I saw, I was about 13 or 14. And I saw this statue on this guy's station wagon and it was about a two foot by some odd height. And I knew that my aunt, my aunts had always taught me that that Indian shit was like the copper thing with the Indian on yeah, it. And the yeah. copper, it was worth big money. I was like, mm. so I ran back to my aunt Lucy and I said, Auntie, I think there's one of those statues. I'm not sure. She came with me. She goes, can I see that? Guy took it off the truck and it was fucking heavy. And she goes, what do you want for that? And we're talking back when I was 13, 14. And he goes, I want 75 bucks for it. And she goes, I'll give you 50. And he goes, I'll take 60. And she bought it for 60. And she goes, this is yours, but you got to pay me 60. You're going to pay me 60 bucks. I said, no problem, auntie. I went back to my little card table and over the weeks, whatever, you know, she booked it. That put me through my junior year of fucking college. Wow. So years real later. Remington bronze. That's yeah. Something. That's a and I flipped it and it put me through you my junior You and I had the same exact upbringing education. You know, if you go to my place in New Hampshire, it's loaded with Remingtons. I've got two real prints Do you really? that are insured. Yeah. yeah, there you go. It's funny. You know what I'm talking about? I don't about have that. a real bronze, but I have a couple of prints. That yeah, you insured. know what I mean. So, yeah, exactly. But it's funny. Uh, so I grew funny. up in the flea market I mean, business. And Baseball that cards business. were my thing. Coin dealers used to throw me out of the front of their office. Really? Because what I figured out was I figured out when people are broke, they want to bring their coin collection and their sure. cards to a shop. Absolutely. So I figured, hey, if I just wait outside with cash, yeah. I can get them before the Cut coin them before they go does. in. <laughs> this, this eBay, this eBay and all this bullshit. So, people don't understand. When you're on, you put something up for sale. It, you don't deserve what other people are trying to sell that for. It's worth as much as somebody will pay. Exactly. And I don't, it, this thing, that eBay thing crushed that quick little yeah. entrepreneurial hustle. You know that, that yeah. energy in the air, That's like right. back in the day? Like you could get a deal back in the day. Now people just oh, get on the phone it. and they're like, oh, somebody's selling one on eBay. Must be true. I'm like, okay, find yeah. somebody that actually yeah. sold one for that price. Yeah, no kidding, it's right? Like, yeah, I mean, but but that's good. So, so your parents taught you my parents, my parents, possible. my parents, my parents. That's it. Yeah. And they yeah, never, they never said ever said you can't. My dad had a jewelry business in the garage. He had a kerosene heater. We used to go in there and do jewelry, make jewelry. That's like so funny. My my uncle, my uncle did too. But the only difference was my uncle went to the federal pen because they were fake quarters because he was making slugs. So that, yes, uh, I know that, is, that that was a big story. <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't know that was your uncle. That's that was my uncle. Called. Can we get him on the podcast? No, he's long gone. <laughs> he's long that's, gone. That's too bad. Very entrepreneurial guy, though. That's so funny. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So my dad burnt down the garage with this kerosene heater, and we still laugh about it today. Oh like, Jesus! You know, it's a, but I mean, like, and literally, he bought a building. Yeah, he rolled the dice. Bought, that's like, it. A commercial building, set yeah. himself up. But what did you learn? But what did you learn from that? I learned actually not to you, be showy because you, you, you could have taken the most prime spot in the building yeah. and run his business and stage it. Instead, he took the way back corner that he knew he couldn't rent yeah, and the smallest amount of space. Yeah. And he programmed the building so he earned enough. So even if he didn't make money with that, he had enough to cover the mortgage and then keep yeah. a little bit in his pocket. Entrepreneurialship, so. entrepreneurialship today 
I think a lot of people get really pissed off when I talk about this, but <laughs> the millennial generation, yeah. they've been sitting on the sidelines because things have been so fucking good. That's a good point. They have been sitting. This is the biggest. People think I'm nuts. This is the biggest economic problem that we have right now. People, what are you talking about? Everybody's yeah. making money. Yeah, but the on the the uh, a recession. I know people are going to freak out. A recession is good. I've been waiting for one. I am dying I for a cash, recession. Uh, like I'm literally cash. Like squirreling. How about when the cash away. How about when the millennials have four hundred ones? They've got all these. I'm going to tell you a yeah. fucking story to blow your socks off. They, they would then get entrepreneurial. My wife is working. I got laid off. Maybe I should do something. Maybe I'll open up a pizzeria, a bakery, a bookstore, something. They'll go into something and that money gets put back into the economy. I'm going to take a really quick story. There was a beer place. I'm not going to say the name of the beer place, beer manufacturer. It was in uh, Rhode Island. I came and say what part because people would know. So somebody, uh, re- uh, a beer rep calls me and says, these people are having big problems. They have a beer manufacturer and a craft beer place. They want out. I go and visit them and I say, okay. Uh, what's the problem? Three entrepreneurs, three millennials. I go, what's up? They go, this is the problem. This is what's going on. What do you think? I go, okay, we're about 200,000 in the hole. Okay, how'd you get in all? So they go, but we need to tell you something. I go, sure. What, what, what's, what's the fucking problem? Like, what's up? They go, we want you to know that we've invested probably close to 700,000. I said, what, what? I've invested about three. They've invested about two and two, and we just need you to know this is one of the most amazing experiences we've ever had in our life. I said, in my head, I'm saying, you blow 400 fucking grand and that's a great experience? (laughs) I'm like, you can't fucking be kidding me. So you know what they said to me after? They said, yeah, but we can go back and get a job in our IT or computer and we can make another 200,000 a year. Can you believe that shit? That's... Yeah, about to them shit. money. So, so that's the thing I try to teach my kids. Like when you go back to the money lessons that count for your kids, right? Yeah. Um, like my kid, I try to teach her that look, save money for experiences because stuff is an entrapment. That's right. Buying nice stuff, you got to worry about that stuff all. The time. That's right. So save money for experiences. So last year in February, I took them to Paris. Yeah. We went to Normandy. I showed them the price of freedom, like to show yeah, them awesome. an experience to see what people did to yeah. preserve the freedom that they yeah, had. That's great. And then in uh, the fall, we took them to Italy. They met some yeah, I know that. family overseas. Yeah, yeah. And so we did a lot of nice stuff. Yeah. And I actually met the number 13 wine importer to the United States. Did you? There. My friend who teaches English, Salvatore Di Gilanato. There's a nice Irish name. It's a name great name. So a uh, really good guy. Teaches English, has a, has a nice little business in Italy, which nice. is rare. In Pescara, which is a beautiful city. It's, yeah. it's kind of like the San Diego of like southeastern Italy. It's on the Adriatic. Oh, it must be it's, pretty. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's like 80 out. degrees year-round. Yeah. It gets a little bit cold here yep. and there. But I mean, you have people doing yoga on the beach at like 4.30 in the morning yeah, kind of, of thing. You know, that whole vibe. Yeah, just like, like Providence. College town, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, nice yeah, place, yeah. right? Sure. So he <laughs> taught English to one of the best... Uh, vineyard owners there yeah and uh have you ever seen the bottle of wine and you're a you're a marketing and, yeah. and a guy like me uh and rick would know this to our buddy rick yeah uh, yeah uh, as far as wines go but there's a uh, wine called cantina zaccanini and what he does is he puts that little vine around the bottle so like he has an actual uh patent to do il tracetto which is like just the way that they used to do, like like all the vineyard maker, all the yeah. wineries, all the winery owners, the analogists, yeah, right? yeah, in Italy, yep. 
they whenever they had their own home craft wine, yeah. So they could differentiate the store stuff that they sell yeah, from gotcha. what they make just for themselves. Sure, for sure. Fun. Like the Rapassos and the stuff that's not really marketable, but yeah, they could, love. Yep, yep. They would literally put that vine on the bottle. Oh, that's so cool. So, and they literally use that to launch their brand. So now what he has is he's risen in sales because it's a novelty thing. People are like, hey, let me give this as a gift because it has yeah, a yeah. nice homespun yeah, feel to it, right? So, does he export to the U.S. with that? He does. He does an excellent job. Huh. And uh, Marcello Zaccanini. If we go to Italy, I want you to come with us and uh, we'll yeah. introduce you. What a place. Definitely. This place is incredible. We'll make some beats at the vineyard. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm That'd be sure the bomb. love that. So we went to a thing. I took the kids. They got to stomp grapes with their feet. Oh, did they? Right. And and what they did was they do this thing called the spadini. Yep. So they do like those little lamb skewers yep. on like, in, in Abruzzo, that's like a big thing. The yeah. Lamb skewers. Unbelievable. So there's a restaurant concept, which I, I've got to show you their online Yeah, concept. sure. There's two concepts that I saw in Italy that I've never seen here. Yeah. This is why when you travel, you know, yeah, you, you get experiences. Mind, the experience. So there's one in, in uh, that's in Pescara that's opening chains all over the place. They do little mini pizzas. They're like a euro a piece. And they come out hot. Like a personal pie. Personal pie. Little personal Four pies. inch, five inch by five inch. Yep. And there, there's a line going around the corner for this place. And all the sides and the fix-ins are expensive. So they've yeah, got sure. you got to pop it out. Yeah, you bring up So the that apple. was one thing. The other thing I noticed was Dececho, which makes pasta. Yep. Dececho is from that town. Yep. So they own like half the town. They're playing with this concept of the skewers. They put them in like a nice little ceramic terracotta things yeah. so you can buy like a terracotta thing on your table full of skewers yeah and it's like a thing you know what i mean you go for wine tapas and skewers oh yeah that's like cool meat. very cool concept but yeah uh, yeah but i mean these are the kind of things when you travel so this is the thing with my kids i want to i want them to understand that life is about experiences it is it's not about stuff no it's not if about they stuff. get too commercialized this is where capitalism goes wrong oh yeah it's about stuff you know what did george carlin used to say a great comedian, George Cullen, he said, your house is a place to keep your stuff yeah, yeah, while yeah. you're out buying more stuff. Stuff, yeah. That's like sick. Yeah, Cullen's the best. You know, yeah. So, I mean, but uh, but not to overplay it. I know we've been on here for a while. That's okay. I'm glad that you said your special sauce to your parents. In many ways, I, I'm from the same kind of, we're yeah. kind of cut from the same thing over yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you can, you don't, somebody's got to instill upon you that that you're, you you got it. You, you can do it. That's you right. You know, and... Yeah, and this cool. is where the gut check. That was why we came up with that as our original podcast name. Yeah, because I always said, you know, it'd be nice for people who don't have that, that don't see entrepreneurialism, that don't have that that drive or that experience, to have a mentor, somebody to kind of, you know, if you're gonna do something yeah. as the CEO of your company, do it every week. Yeah, you know, do it's, it until it becomes a habit. Well, I go, I go uh, once a month. I think it's important for me. And I can afford it, obviously, thank God. I go for one hour, I sit down once a month with a business psychologist. Because yeah. I've gotten to the point now where I got so much shit going on that I have to take mentally every month two or three steps back to kind of, yeah. okay, what's the direction? What do you think? And I have made it very clear to him that he has to, he can't put me in a position where like, I have to answer my own questions. I need him to tell me his thoughts. And that's that works with me. You know what I mean? And he's like, well, I really don't know your industry. I know. I said, no, but you're a consumer. And I need to know what you think and 
I just need that that bounce back. I need that that wall, you know, and it's really important. And people don't even know I do that. No, no. And part of our, our program is, you know, mentoring and journaling. People forget to write down what they're thinking about what they're doing. Everything. You write down everything, right? Friggin' everything. I do too. And I do not use this shit. <laughs> I do too. I don't use this it's shit. A, I got an old pad, calendar, staples. Once a year I go and I write everything. I spoke to this, did this, do this. Bu, 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 bu. Same here. I got it. When you write it, you see it, you remember it. Yep. No. So, yeah. so, uh, in in closing, I know we've we've been going on for a while. We could probably turn this into a fight, but no one's gonna listen. But it's could yeah, be I a know. five hour podcast. Know. It's okay. But it, you know, you brought pizza. You did the right thing over yeah, here. Yeah, where is it? You know, we gotta we gotta literally show that. Like, I mean, then, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny when you opened your restaurant. Yeah. You had one on the menu called the owner's favorite, which is not really my favorite, but it certainly is a good pizza. And it's become my favorite. Which I know. Is weird. You should just say, you know, Marcus Aurelius. Is I'll call it That's, Marcus Aurelius. That would be all right. There you I'll go. I'll call it Mako A. That's perfect. That's perfect. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on No, the show. thank you for the invite. It meant Absolutely. a lot. And it's really cool that we got to do this. It's a real pleasure. It's something yeah. to say that we did this shit in life, and, you know? And uh, I think you can inspire, inspire a lot of entrepreneurs out there. And yeah, I'd they can. have you on again. Thank actually. you. Listen, they can get in touch with you. They can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram anytime. And your um, pizza shell is still selling? Yeah, so we're going back into the supermarkets now. Literally. We're and just getting uh, Galbani. Yeah, I got Galbani. I got Molina Piscina. I've got uh, credit card processing companies, wow. beer companies, Narragansett Brewery stepping up now to really get back behind Chefs Feeding Kids and just wow. the whole package of what I'm putting together. That's great. Um, yeah, it's really, it's friggin' cool. That's good. All it's right. really cool. Uh, Salud. Thank you uh, for coming grazie, by. Grazie, grazie. Glad to have you on. Thank you so much, dude. Grazie, grazie, grazie to all our listeners and Chef Billy Manzo from Federal Hill Pizza. Don't forget to sign up and get access to all our startup finance and drive resources at specialsaucepodcast.com and tell your friends to get on the sauce. You like the sauce? The sauce is good, eh?